You're listening to the Grace Covenant Statesville audio podcast. You can go ahead and turn in your Bibles today to 1 Kings. We'll get there in a moment. But I guess the idea and theory behind changing the order was to give us a time at the end of service to reflect on what we've heard, to reflect on what we've learned and heard from God, and uh, just to give us a time to enter into the, uh, worship at the end of service, engagement, and then go out of here really encouraged uh, for our message that we're going to be sharing today. Uh, how many of you would agree today that laughter is good medicine? Laughter is good medicine. So let's listen to this. I heard about this lady. Uh, she was shopping with her husband. And he had asked her not to buy any new clothes. And when, well, you know how that hard that is for women, right? She saw this dress in the window and decided to try it on. I'll preface that by saying it's not hard for me at all. I never buy clothes. Uh, in fact, this shirt was given to me by a guy who felt sorry for me at the bank that I worked at because he was tired of seeing me, I guess, wearing the same shirt. So he bought me this shirt. That's a joke, but he really did buy me this shirt. So she saw the dress in the window and decided to try it on, but she liked it so much, she bought it in secret. So a couple days later, the husband discovered it. He was really upset. He you know, asking some why questions, and she explained to him that when she tried it on, it looked so good that Satan tempted her to buy it, and she just couldn't resist. He said, well, why didn't you just do what the Scripture says and say, get behind me, Satan? And she said, I did. He said it looked even better from behind. Anyway, I'm going to change this out because this one's not adjusting like I want it to. But again, we're in the new series. This is week two of the Unsung Heroes series. Last week we talked about Benaiah and about courage and you know how the courage that God has for us is different than a worldly courage. It's not the bravado, the worldly self-promoting courage. It's courage that uh, defies all odds with God behind you. And, and that verse that says, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me, that's exactly what kind of courage we were talking about last week. But this week, today, we are continuing our series, and we're discussing Bible characters who aren't as prominent, who aren't as famous, who aren't as well-known and well-discussed in churches today. And today, our uh, unsung hero's name is Elisha. And Elisha comes from a long uh, history in the, the book of Kings that we study and discover uh, but it's, we're talking about faithfulness through the story of Elisha and how he was faithful in spite of some uh, really big challenges. And so in our life, would you agree that we have some really big challenges that we need to overcome? But God has called us to be extraordinarily faithful in our assignment and faithful in our calling. And so today that's what we're talking about. Faith, faithfulness that is extraordinary, that is big, that is risky, that is God-sized. Uh, and sometimes it can be tiring. But would you agree today that not every season of life is, life is fantastic? Not every season of life is fun. Sometimes we go through seasons of loss. And we go through seasons of unemployment. And we go through seasons of disappointment. And there's seasons in our life that aren't necessarily fun. And sometimes life is hard. Sometimes life is busy. It gets in the way. It's hectic. It's loud. It's noisy. Does anybody agree with that? But the saving grace in all that is this. It is our faithfulness that brings honor to God and positions ourselves for greater opportunity. It's our faithfulness that honors the Lord and positions us 
for greater opportunity. And that's exactly what we'll see here in the story with Elisha. So if you'll turn in your Bibles today to 1 Kings 19. If you don't have your Bibles with you, that's okay. The words will be on the screen there this morning. And we're going to focus on verse 19 through 21. And the Bible says that Elijah went down from there. And, and there's two words here, Elijah and Elisha. There's two guys, just so you know. Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the twelfth pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. This is what he said. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and he slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and he gave it to all the people and they ate. Then he he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. So today, that's the end of that passage and our unsung hero we talked about is Elisha. We're going to discover his faithfulness to God. Now why is Elisha so important? Well, first of all, Elijah was chosen... By God. He was mentored by the prophet Elijah. He was mentored for ten years. Uh, You can see that story in 2 Kings 3 if you'd like to look at it. But he served under this guy for ten years. Now he wasn't the guy, he was the, uh, the assistant guy if you will. He wasn't the famous prophet, he was the backup. But he was chosen by God, and I want to explain that later too. To be a prophet. And he would end up serving Israel for 50 powerful years. 50 years of miraculous works because of faithfulness to God. He asked God for a, uh, he asked Elijah, sorry, for a double portion. It wasn't enough for just the same. He wanted extraordinary. He wanted double portion. He just didn't want one. He wanted double. And so he asked Elijah for that. He also humbly served the powerful and the poor. It didn't matter the social class. Elisha was a man who served both people groups. He served people no matter what they looked like, what their uh, social class was. And then he was also faithful no matter where he served. I want that to be said of my life. No matter where I'm serving, whether it be as a, as a bank teller, no matter as it be as a school teacher, no matter it be as a, a photographer, whatever it is, that I was faithful to God in what He gave me to do. I was faithful to God in my craft, in my trade, in in those things. I was faithful to God in my calling, in my family, in my working relationships with people. And that's exactly what Elisha did. So this morning we're focusing on faithfulness. And there are four points this morning that we have to discuss. And the first one is this. Seasons of preparation come before seasons of assignment. Seasons of preparation come before seasons of assignment. Have you ever noticed that in your own life, before you get to a place where uh, you really feel like God has really put you in that place, there was a preparation time. It wasn't like, boom, it just happened. God was preparing you. We heard a great story yesterday uh, uh, from, from Billy at our men's breakfast. And he told how God was preparing him and using him. 
And the same can be said for my life. Before I was able to come here and minister, guess what? God was preparing me, even though I didn't like it. Right? Sometimes it's uncomfortable. But Elisha was not, was not called and empowered to be a prophet for God in the same day. He knew he saw something in Elijah that he saw was powerful and he saw God moving. He wanted to learn. He wanted to grow. But it didn't happen overnight. He spent ten years, as the Bible even calls him a servant, ten years. When, would you agree that, with this statement that when we are called to follow God, sometimes it's not what we expected? Sometimes it's not what we expected. On your way to work, you may meet someone that needs a, a, a physical touch. They may need a, uh, a little bit of money, a gas to get in their vehicle to go to work. You might not have expected that, but God put that person in your place for a reason. Sometimes we don't understand the way that God works, and that's completely okay. He was still faithful. So what are some areas in our life that we prepare for? And I was thinking about this. We spend 12 years in education preparing for either the workforce or preparing for either higher education, the military, or law enforcement. Something like that. We spend 12 years of education preparing. We, we spend time or, at orientation at our jobs. Why? To acclimate us to the work environment, the culture, the computer information systems. We spend time preparing on our spiritual journey in small groups, in Sunday school, in vacation Bible school, learning about Scripture, learning about God. We spend time in our marriage. What is engagement? Trying to get prepared for marriage. We spend time learning in our house, trying to learn sometimes what not to do uh, for our marriages and our families. We prepare for retirement. We have 401Ks and 403Bs and all these letters and numbers combined together to try to help us make it when we retire. We, we try to prepare our children as best we know how so that when they grow old, guess what? They'll follow after the Lord. They'll follow the right thing to do. We spend all of our life preparing for something. No matter what season in life, you're preparing for something. And sometimes we prepare for funeral expenses. Sometimes we prepare for our services. Sometimes we prepare for a work uh, job, a move, a huge move in our house. Uh, things that we're preparing for. There's a lot. And there's obviously more. There's a story that I found in regards to preparation that I thought was very uh, impactful. And it says this, A young man approached the foreman of a logging crew, and he asked for a job. The foreman said, that depends. Let's see you fail this tree or cut it down. The young man stepped forward and skillfully failed a great tree. The foreman was impressed. He said, you can start Monday. So Monday and Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday rolled by. Thursday afternoon, the foreman approached the young man and said, you can pick up your paycheck on the way out today. The young man was startled. He replied, I thought... You know, we were good. I thought you paid on Friday. He said, normally we do, but you're falling behind. You're falling behind in your work. He said, well, I, I really tried hard. I was doing extra. You know, I worked through my coffee breaks. I worked through my lunch breaks. I arrived first. I leave last. All this. The foreman, sensing the young man's integrity, thought for a minute and then asked this. Have you been sharpening your axe? He's worked so hard, so tirelessly, but he forgot to prepare. He for, forgot to prepare for the job that he had. But he was doing an excellent job. He was working harder than anybody else. But guess what? He didn't prepare. And in our lives, we can make the same application. We can work harder 
than anyone else in our lives. We can work harder in our spiritual lives than anybody else. But if we're not preparing and spending time in God's Word, in God's Scripture, and in strengthening our relationship, we're not sharpening our axes. We're not preparing for the work that God has. And so again, seasons of preparation come before seasons of assignment. And God is always preparing us for our next assignment. So second today, faithfulness in the small assignments opens the way for greater opportunity. So not only do we have to prepare for those assignments, but when we get them, they might be a small assignment. And they might prepare us for a bigger opportunity. David was faithful with a few sheep. But then God entrusted him with nations, with armies. The Bible even calls him a man after his own heart. Moses was faithful in tending a small flock for his father-in-law. But God placed him in charge of many. Others who are faithful in small things, Rahab, I'm sorry, Ruth, Stephen, Noah, Abraham, these people were faithful in these small things. Matthew 25 says this, Well done, you good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. And guess what? Now I'm going to put you in charge of many things. You see, there's no secret to being faithful. It's doing what is required no matter the challenge. Luke 16 says this, Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with very much. And whoever is dishonest with very little also can be dishonest with very much. You see, the dictionary defines faithfulness as this, strict or thorough in the performance of a duty, a faithful worker, Someone who is true and noble, loyal, constant, reliable, trusted, and believed. Full of faith. So if you are faithful in the small things, honest in the small things, have integrity in the small things, God will open up the doors to have bigger and better opportunities. You know, as a lending officer, I didn't get in charge immediately of lending two or $300,000. It started with a $500 credit card that I was able to lend people. The lending, uh, it would be stupid for a bank and, and, and actually uh, not smart for a bank to actually allow someone who just came out of the you know, classes that they have to lend that much money. And in the same way, counting cash in a vault custodian, you know, they give you a teller drawer. And as long as you can manage that $1,500 uh, for six months, then you can become a vault custodian. And a vault custodian has three or $400,000 cash to count. So they don't start the three or $400,000 cash when you start your job. You have to go through a process. You have to be faithful and not have any overages or shortages for six months. And that's incredible because there is so many logs, there's so many places and ways that you can have integrity, but there's also ways that you cannot have integrity. And so you, immediately you don't just trust someone uh, with that amount of money in a job. And I think the same way we can apply that to our lives when we're faithful with what God has given us, He will expand our horizons. I started teaching a Sunday school class when I was 15 years old. 15. God started to open the territories for me to become a youth pastor and a worship leader at the same time. So when I was 17, I started working in that. God continued to open the doors, and it continued to progress. And the same way can be said for you. As you're faithful, God is going to increase your assignment. God is going to increase your opportunities. So not only do we have to you know, prepare 
And we have to be faithful in the small assignments because it's going to lead to bigger opportunities. But point three today is this. Your purpose is greater than your position. Your purpose is greater than your position. You see, for ten years, Elisha was not a prophet. He was not the guy that was doing the miracles. He was following the guy doing the miracles. He was learning from the guy doing these things. And he was not in charge. But he was learning, man. He was soaking it up. He was right there. He was helping. He was participating. But he didn't have the title, right? But he still had a purpose. God was still using him. That doesn't mean God's not using him. He had a purpose. Because no place of assignment is insignificant in God's eyes. He's placed you where you are for a reason. What you do does not define you. It's who you are that defines you. And knowing your purpose keeps you focused, it keeps you faithful, and it keeps you fulfilled. When we know our purpose, when we know where we're going, it helps us to be motivated. I used to work at a church one time, and the pastor, um, he wasn't that old. Um, I won't tell you his age because then you'll be like, he wasn't that old. But he didn't have any vision. He didn't. He could not tell me where he wanted the church to go. He couldn't tell me what our goal was. Was it saving souls? Absolutely. Well, then let's do it. He couldn't define what he wanted the church to become, what he wanted the church to do. And I can tell you from experience that is the most miserable place to be when you don't know what you're doing. You don't beat the air aimlessly, right? You've heard that before from the Apostle Paul. You run with a purpose. You have to have a purpose. And the same thing here. Knowing your purpose keeps you focused. It keeps you fulfilled and it keeps you faithful. You see, Elisha followed around Elijah for ten years because he knew that his purpose was greater than his position. He knew that eventually he was going to do greater things even because God had blessed him. He had a God-sized purpose. And because he was faithful in that, God gave him 50 years as a prophet did miraculous things. And you can read all about them, some great stories uh, in the book that you can read. But would you say today our purpose is greater than our title, right? Here's some interesting titles that I found online. But I would ask the question, which of these titles sound better? Janitor or sanitation specialist? Subway worker or sandwich artist? Right? I used to work as a radio station DJ. Does that sound good? Or station engineer and programmer. You see what I'm saying? You're doing the same job, but it's a title. It's a label. It doesn't define what you do or who you are. And the same can be said of you today. You're, you may not be a pastor of a Grace Covenant Church, Statesville, whatever title, but you're still a pastor. You're still a prophet, a priest. God has still blessed you to reach people for His kingdom. Not, you don't have the title, but you have the purpose. You don't have the title behind your name, doctor, right? Do you? But your purpose is to reach people, is to study God's Word, is to know His Word, and to translate that. So no matter what you are called, and sometimes that can be worse than other things, right? Especially in management. Your purpose is greater than your position. Your purpose is greater than your position. And fourthly, today, I'm going to wrap this up. Ordinary faithfulness leads to extraordinary impact. And I would even say 
extraordinary impact. Ordinary faithfulness leads to extraordinary impact. When we're faithful in the small things, God opens up a whole new window. And it leads us to be impactful for His kingdom. And I can tell you this too, when our perspective is not on self, and it's on Him and His kingdom, man, the difference is enormous. The difference is huge. Mother Teresa said this, God has not called me to be successful He has called me to be faithful. And I can say that for my life. God has not called me to necessarily be, even though it's His desire, a successful, large, populated, culturally successful person. But I'm successful in His eyes because I'm doing what the work that He has called me to do. And the same can be said for you. If you give your best for God's glory... God will empower you to do things greater than your ability. Look, it's not in my ability and my own power to play guitar, to sing, to preach, to teach. It's not in my own power because that came from Him because I can't come up with this. Sometimes I get nervous, I get stressed out because I have things to to worry about just like you. But it's not in my own power that I'm able to get through those things. And just like we started out with today, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If Christ is your strength, then you can do all things. If He's your strength. And so you have to make that today. You may be familiar with the movie Schindler's List that Steven Spielberg produced in 1992. And this movie was incredible because it portrayed the story of the Holocaust and a man named Oscar Schindler who rescued and is and attributed to rescue 1,200, uh, could be more, could be less, Jews during the Holocaust. And he rescued these uh, people from World War II in the concentration camps. But in order to do this, I looked this up, he spent over $1 million at the time of his own personal money, sold his possessions so that these people could have jobs, they could have food, they could have security. And at the end of the movie, there's a scene, and I was thinking about playing it, but it really didn't go well today. But at the end of the movie, there's a guy who comes up to Schindler, and he, he, what they did was they took out gold fillings out of their mouth, the, the people he saved. They made him a ring, and they quoted this, and it says this, He who saves one life saves a world entire. He who saves one life saves a world entire. Now, out of 11 million people, 1,200 people is one ten-thousandth of a percent. So overall, of all the people during the Holocaust that were killed, and you look at the number that he saved, it looks insignificant. But if you look at each individual person who was saved, 1,200 people who were saved, every person would say that it was significant for them and it made the world of difference. And the same can be said when we're reaching people for the gospel of Christ. It may not seem like that person that's burnt out or discouraged at the gas station matters much in the whole scheme of things, but it matters to them because it's a world entire. When you save one life, it's a world entire to that person. And just like our point says today, ordinary faithfulness. It doesn't take anything extraordinary to go out and help someone with a need that has a need today. It's easy. What it, what it takes is faithfulness. And it, it will lead, it will lead to an extraordinary impact, especially in that person's life. The gentleman says, and, and Schindler says, sorry, I could have gotten more. I could have saved 
more people. If I'd have sold this car here, if I'd have made more money, so many people I could have saved. And then the gentleman said this, there are 1,100 people here who are alive because of you. Look at them. And he focused and he started honing in his purpose and honing in his faithfulness on the people he could reach and on the purpose that God had given him. Elisha did the same thing, and it's our job in life to do the exact same thing. He made an awesome impact in their lives. And today, ordinary faithfulness can lead to extraordinary impact in your marriage, in your children's lives, in your community, in the world, in your workplace. Because it's faithfulness when you're tired and burnt out and discouraged and anxious and hurting and sore and all these things. It's faithfulness when those things are going on that truly makes you extraordinary and extraordinary. So today, as we close, let's stand together. Let's focus on these four points really quickly. I'm going to reread them for you. And I would ask that today that you'll pray that while the worship team is going to sing and we're going to engage in worship together, that God would show you in your life ways that you can be faithful and it leads to extraordinary impact. So the first point today was this. Seasons of preparation come before seasons of assignment. Two was faithfulness in the small assignments opens the way for greater opportunity. Three, your purpose is greater than your position. And four, ordinary faithfulness leads to extraordinary impact. Would you pray with me just a moment? Father, today, help us to be people who are devoted to you. First and foremost, God, we are called to be faithful, just like Elisha. He was faithful in the small things. So you increased his territory. You increased his opportunity. So God, today, I pray that you would show us our purpose right where we are today. No matter what job we have, no matter what our family situation is, or our work situation, God, no matter what our children's situation is, Lord, I pray that you would show us our purpose and help us to know that it's greater than our position. Help us to know that you have called us to something greater. And help us to discover that through you today. So God, as we discover you, help us to keep you first in our life. Help us to focus on your word and your son, Jesus. Just take a moment and just pause in silence and ask, Holy Spirit, what would you speak to me today from this message of faithfulness? Is there an area in my life that I need to be more faithful in? Take a moment. Had it not been for the Lord Jesus Christ who died for our sins on the cross, we would be nothing. I would not be able to do what I do without the power and of the strength of Jesus Christ. And the same can be said of you every single day you wake up out of of bed. 
Every day is a good day. Thank the Lord first as soon as you get up. You know, our first instinct is to check, check our messages, check Facebook, check these things. But the first thing we really need to do is thank the Lord that we woke up. Thank the Lord that we have another opportunity to reach souls for His kingdom. To touch broken lives, hurting lives, broken families that we can minister to. How can God use you? And how can you be faithful? That's the thought I would like to leave you with today. So God, as we close this message and we enter into a time of worship, let it encourage our hearts as we focus on you in Jesus' name. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.